You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. I'm an actor, producer, and filmmaker here to share inspiring stories and to walk through everyday life with you. Hope you guys are doing well and staying safe. I'm sending everybody big hugs because it has been a week and there's been a lot going on um, and a lot of stress and tension, obviously, with what's happening across the globe um, out in Ukraine, uh, the, the issues between Ukraine and Russia, and obviously as the global audience and um, allies and supporters are, are looking on. It is like, honestly, we've been through such an insane two years and by all means think I know we all deserve a break and we're not getting it and um, really my heart goes out to the Ukrainian people it is heartbreaking it is mind-numbing it is infuriating in a lot of ways and um, yeah I just I'm really really hoping and praying for some sort of uh, some sort of peaceful conclusion though you know the practical side of me doesn't know about that, but I'm still putting that out into the universe. That's what I'm hoping for. I hope that there's some level of reason and diplomacy and humanitarian humanitarianism that can be injected into the situation and that the people that can make a difference, and that includes all of us in our respective ways, can act accordingly and do something to help resolve this issue and not make it become catastrophic because... Clearly, that's what we're all afraid of. But in light of that, I'm really encouraging everybody and reminding myself to focus on the solution, to stay focused on what we want, not what we don't want. And there is a lot of energetic power in that. I really know and believe that. And um, yeah, that's what I'm going to put out into the world as I take my story, my voice onto this microphone to use your platforms, use your dollars, use your eyeballs, use your minds and hearts to do something constructive towards a peaceful outcome. That's all I am called to actioning all of you. Um, that was not a right verb. Calling to action, that's the right verb. But that's that's what I plead with all of us to do and to keep our spirits and our frequencies high, to not um, be overcome by fear and just, you know, stay vigilant. We'll do the we'll do our very best and we're praying for the very best for Ukraine. And uh yeah. Also want to note, because this was such an ongoing theme throughout, first of all, over the last two years especially, um, and thank you to all my guests who gave me this support and encouragement, but we are not in control of every single thing. We have impact, we have influence, but the things that we can control, we we got to focus on those things. And that includes how much media we consume and uh, you know the thoughtfulness in which we approach it, having our, our safe spaces, our boundaries, being very mindful of our emotional and mental loads. And um, yeah, sometimes in these crises, it just becomes so natural to get stuck to a device or a screen, trying to just consume everything. I'm so definitely guilty of that. And it can become really, really taxing, especially for the long term. Um, And what we're thinking about is long term solutions. And so really just sending you guys love and hoping that you guys take care of yourselves, your minds, your hearts and your souls, your spirits. It's all very important. So be careful out there and take care of yourselves. You deserve it. And, you know, we'll lean on each other. We can take different shifts, whatever. You know, we got the watch at different times and we'll get through this. Okay. So just sending that out as encouragement to all of you with hugs. And with that, I'm really excited to introduce this episode of First of All. 
So we are here at season two, episode eight, also known as episode 168. And I'm very honored and very happy and also very flabbergasted that this is the first time I'm having these two guests on my show. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, but if anybody has been following along with First of All and knows me in any capacity, knows that the Asian American narrative has been a very huge part of my life's mission and purpose and my work. And honestly, stemming way back before I started volunteering with collaboration, like this goes all the way back to high school and middle school. Uh, my ASEAN Pride days and starting the Asian Student Union in high school, it's, it's, it, it goes deep, okay? Um, but these two guests that I have on this week, they've been, you know, I've been a fan of their work and now they've become friends and colleagues and over many years. And I'm just so impressed and so grateful for the work that they do because they have contributed such huge, impactful works um, and spaces for the Asian American narrative to exist and for it to prosper and expand and make the impact that it has up until now. So of course, I'm talking about none other than Phil Yu and Jeff Yang. Phil Yu, you guys might know him better as Angry Asian Man. He is the blogger, the writer that I read up when I was in college and like in my dorm room trying to figure out my life and my identity. And uh, Jeff Yang is an incredible journalist and media consultant. And the two of them you know, have been, have been friends and we get to know their origin story. And they are the co-authors of this really amazing book that is coming out as of today called Rise, a pop history of Asian America from the 90s to now that they co-wrote with Phil Wang, another Phil, Phil Wang from Wang Fu Productions. And honestly, it's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful like treasure trove of the things that have made our communities, what it is, all the quirks, all the nuances, all the momentous milestones. It's just so great that they've taken the time and made it a point to write this book. And I'm just excited to have them on the show and talk about it. They are also co-hosts of the podcast called They Call Us Bruce. And they're, you know, we're co-podcasters, but also on part of the same uh, potluck podcast collective. So we've been pod mates for a while now. But uh, yeah, I, I genuinely appreciate and uh, love Phil and Jeff so much. Um, Phil, of course, has been writer for the website Angry Asian Man for many years now. And he has also been uh, the co-host, the host of All the Asians on Star Trek, which is another podcast that he hosts. And Jeff has been a contributing writer journalist uh, for the Wall Street Journal, for the San Francisco Chronicle, for CNN formidable force of nature as a journalist, and also the father of Hudson Yang, we know uh, from Fresh Off the Boat. So this is a really special one. And in this episode, I hope that anybody who is Asian American, Asian diaspora, and friend, ally, supporter, and curious inquirer of the Asian American narrative, um, this is just to celebrate Jeff and Phil's work and also talk about the nuances of our community and how long it's taken for us to take note of all the ways that we've impacted culture and the ways that we have impacted culture because there have been many, many moments and many examples that have not been highlighted and therefore the importance of the people who experience it, that know it, that are the trailblazers to get out there and to write these things down and make it known to the rest of the world because if you and I don't, nobody will. So I hope that you guys enjoy this episode, episode 168. Talking about rise of Asian America with Phil Yu and Jeff Yang. Yeah, came in eighty eight, 
with a dream oh so bright eyed they knew right away sick of swim there's no lifelines cutting the teeth on the move nobody's feeling these welcome to first of all Phil and Jeff uh, thank you this is our first time my first time Phil have you been on <laughs> uh, no I don't think so you haven't <laughs> this is a travesty I feel really called out I'm like oh this should not be the first time you're on the show you you were on our podcast though actually when we yes. when you were introducing first first of all so oh my uh, god you're yeah that was way back that was way back when yes that was uh, that was at the beginning of our podcast so almost five years ago oh my yeah i was four i'm at like the four and a half year mark right now holy what yeah Whoa. yeah wait yeah. and it's taken that long for you to invite us to i apologize <laughs> oh, just calling you out man you are calling <laughs> this is totally valid and also it's very strange because in my head i was like oh i've had phil and jeff on my show but it's you're right it's because i was on your show <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Okay, you know what? It's okay. You made our show your show. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It all blends. It all blends. Um, but that was great, and that was at Jeff's house. And and uh, I remember your the setup. So oh yeah, yeah. Never- oh yeah. That's oh that's back when we used to do it in the shower. Yeah, not, not, the, yeah. not, the, not the literal shower, but there was a shower curtain. Yes, yes. the shower curtain. I was so impressed by you guys because that to me, I'm like an artistic killer kind of thing. Like you got to be really committed. And you have to make it work. <laughs> So by any means necessary, and you guys shower curtain that up. I love it. We, yeah, you know, I will say uh, what what used to be the kill room. Oh, <laughs> that's oh. what people used to refer to it. Uh, you know, very Dexter esque looking kind of setup. Uh, it, 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 there's a little nostalgia for it because I don't think that Phil and I have actually done a live in person with each other podcast kind of for the last couple of years now, right? In it's been two years, man. I don't <laughs> yeah. think we've shit. Yeah, have anyway. we? Yeah, we haven't recorded in person in. Yeah, I mean, since the pandemic, right? So wow, yeah, and we're just at the two-year mark now, just about, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, just about. <sighs> wow, but here we are. Here we are. It's, it's almost as good, right? It's it's not live, but it's Memorex. We're we're all right with that. <laughs> oh, totally. Honestly, I'm very grateful because recording episodes with uh, different guests on the podcast helped me get through this pandemic. And honestly, it was it was it was a you know. Not ideal to meet up in person, but I'm really grateful for it, and I'm glad to just hear your guys' voices because yeah. I don't know because we're we we have a long history which we'll get into um, because the, the years have passed. Have they not flown, guys? <laughs> in- oh, it's yeah. been it's been for like I mean we were just saying how I I we we started this podcast. Um, it's we're almost at five years. At, the five year mark for this podcast. And it feels like we just started it. Right. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then we were, t- I was just thinking how, you know, this past uh, week or so it was like, or this past month has been like the 10 year anniversary of Lynn sanity. Oh my yeah. God. That, that is such a benchmark in my sort of like Asian American journey, you know, yeah. and to know that it's been 10 years since that passed. Uh, that's to me is, is pretty wild. Yeah. I, I yeah go ahead. I feel I feel like I, I it's hard to even track the milestones anymore. Part of it is that this last two year and even it it's just hitting me that two years is a long freaking time. Mm-hmm. I mean you know even even as one grows older as I have as we all have I suppose a little bit although <laughs> you know me faster than the two of you it feels like. <laughs> um, I, you know we have more years so uh, two years doesn't feel like as much out of it. But two years is enough to see, you know, like, uh, like an idea blossom into a human being, if you will, yeah. <laughs> or uh, a proposal turn into a book, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I, it's still hard for me to believe that 
two years ago, I mean, I, I feel a little bit like I was thinking this was we we're going to be out of this in six months, right? Like Did maybe really six months the outside. I don't know. I still had that hope somehow. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, my biggest fear was less the pandemic at the time anyway. I mean, you know, now it's close to 1 million deaths in America, right? Yeah. Um, but it, it really was more the, the uh, resurgent anti-Asian hatred yeah. uh, that was happening in that, in that time frame. I was like, that was actually the thing that was, that was more in some ways terrifying for me. And I just never expected that we were going to be so bad at this, right? That we as a country would just not, and maybe even as a world, would not figure out a way to fix this sooner. But anyway, <laughs> we've, this has been a time of losing a lot of faith in, yeah. you know, like in a lot of things. We, <laughs> yeah. We were starting no. pretty low too. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, all, all the all the Hollywood narratives about humanity coming together, you know, uniting against some sort of great force like alien invasion and stuff like that. I'm like, no that's way. all bullshit. That's all <laughs> bullshit. We'll never do it. We have pro- we've already had the test case proven that like against a greater threat, we'll, we will never come together. Yeah, hundred percent. Like yeah. half of half of like you know half of people would side with the aliens. A quarter would like claim they didn't exist. Exactly. You know, it's like we we're just like in we're basically the worst. <laughs> there, there, the there, the worst. there will be some sort of gadget to sort of inoculate against the effects of the aliens and people are like, no, this is conspiracy. I'm not taking it. Like, this is infringing on my, my freedoms. I don't believe that this is all meant to take me down. Cause they don't want me to, they don't want me to exercise my rights. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's very embarrassing. I've it's, it's been a very shameful, shameful demoralizing couple of years. I will, I will give you that for sure. But I, I want to say Jeff, because I think it it is actually revealing of the fact that you, you're disappointed because you had hope because you had some faith and that kills me a little bit. I mean, it kills me that my faith in humanity has died so much, but like hearing from someone like you to be like that, I mean, it's fair. I'm not trying to swear you, uh, sway you in the other direction, but it makes me sad because I was like, we need every good brain and good heart that we have <laughs> to to hold down the fort. But like, I don't know. I was like, you know what? The float the fort is floating out at sea with a bunch of plastic. Like it's all. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. It's all well, out there. <laughs> this is not to say that that hope cannot be rebuilt. And yeah. honestly, uh, I I feel like. In just the last couple of weeks and in the weeks to come, and they're, they're just like little flashes of things that are, are making me feel more hopeful. Good. And, uh, I mean, you know, I, we can't really talk about it, but we, we saw a fantastic movie today Ooh. <laughs> uh, that, that gives me hope. Uh, you know, we, there, are, there are signs of life. There are green shoots, I think, in mm-hmm. the creative sphere of Asian America. All these things actually, you know, they, they make me feel like we're resilient. Yes, we may not be a great species, or you know, certainly not perfect ones. But I, I think that we we do adapt and change and evolve over time uh, in ways that uh, at least give us more chances until we run out of arcade lives or whatever. You know? <laughs> Very true. Very true. Until we get the final <laughs> KO. Um, exactly. And I want to congratulate. I mean, I, I got to hype you guys up in the in the intro, and you know, you know, list out the accolades and all the amazing things you've done. And I'm just those moments are really wonderful for me to just remind me of like these are my friends. Like I, I not only get to rattle it off as like you know a data point. It's like no, these are. I've been able to kind of have a courtside seat to the work that you guys have been doing and know you as people and to understand 
a, a, you know, a fraction of the blood, sweat, and tears that it's taken to like get to where you guys are with the podcast and all the other works outside of that, obviously, that you've been doing. But to celebrate this book that is now mm. upon us and, you know, we're talking about Rise. But before we get to the book, I was wondering, in your own words, how do you guys like do your elevator pitch of like who you are when you have to introduce yourself and say like, <laughs> I'm Phil. I know you hate it, but humor me, please. Oh um, as a first time guest on First of All. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can get into the book because I think that, you know, I love to connect the dots of like, how do we get to, to this moment? Um, but yeah, gentlemen, the stage is yours if you want to. <laughs> I'll, I'll let Phil go first. <laughs> uh, well, I hate doing that. Honestly, know, like it, in terms of the context of, um, especially in the in the context of like strangers where like, uh, you know, being on like being on an airplane and then chatting up your your seatmate and then yeah 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 like oh what do you do like oh where do you go like you know I happen to be going to somewhere say for a conference or something where I'm speaking as uh, on behalf of my blog Angry Asian Man right mm -hmm. and and then they're like oh where do you go you know you going and I'm like ah uh, well I'm going to I honestly I usually lie straight up lie <laughs> I just tell I I will tell people that I'm like um. I uh, old trick is web development. I'm in web development. <laughs> okay, okay. Because okay. when you say that, there are almost never any follow up questions. They're just like, oh, You're like, all right, okay. You know, um, I have made this mistake of saying that I'm a writer, and, and uh, never do that. Never, <laughs> ever, ever tell like an Uber driver or anything that you're a writer because. That is the opposite of no more questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, what are you writing? Um, can I be in it? Can I read it? Can no, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, one time I told, one time I told a cab driver that I was a writer and that, like, you know, I, and I was a journalist or something. And he, he said, you know what you should do? You should start a website and then you should put your writing on that. <laughs> Good like, call. Oh, He's onto something. <laughs> no, you uh, a, a um but if i'm being honest in an honest situation I, you know i tell people i run, i'm I, you know i'm a i run a website called because usually i'll meet somebody in the in the instant where instance where that's why i'm there so yeah uh i'll say i'm like i run a website called angry asian man a question at the end uh -huh. like maybe you've heard of it Do i don't know you and know it? And then sometimes people have like, oh, that's interesting. What's that, you know, what's that about? Or like, what makes you angry? Or why are you angry? I guess. And then the other, or, and then, uh, or they'll be like, oh, I've heard of it, you know? And mm -hmm. um, hopefully that, that leads to somewhere where some, where I'm not, I don't sound like a crazy person for saying like, you know, I run a website called Angry Asian Man. Cause, <laughs> cause, cause like, it's one of those things where like, if you know, you know, yeah. but if you don't know, then it sounds like, what the what is this yeah you know? yeah yeah. So, they could take that yeah. and run with it in a lot of different yeah. ways for yeah sure. in this yeah. era especially it really there is a sense in which just like saying that on a plane doesn't feel yeah. right you know yeah yeah, yeah fair, <laughs> fair fair yeah well you have the the proof you're very you know wise phil so i feel like if anybody i can trust to like deliver it in a way or like be very you have the nunchi to be like okay i don't know i don't know if yeah. this is the audience in which this. to make too light of it or too serious like i i trust you to deliver accordingly in the moment there's like a thousand calculations like do i want to say this <laughs> exactly like, does this person like mm, what does this person look like like mm, i don't know <laughs> and welcome to yeah. being a person of color like <laughs> yep yep, yep. 
Um, Before I tell you about Angry Asian Man, first I have to explain to you the concept of Han. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So true. Give you context Uh, before you assume these things. uh, Yes. Well, uh, I mean, I I guess mine is easier in a way. Uh, These these last, I don't know, seven years or so, uh, I'll say, you know that that kid on that show? I'm that kid's dad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was easy. That's it, right? You know, Hudson Yang? That kid. You're a very giant kid now who's like a grown man and freaks Oh, totally not a, yeah, like not even a kid anymore. He's, he, uh, he, you know, he can like bench press more than my weight. Oh my gosh. You know, he's six foot three. He is at college. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to actually fully, uh, feel like he's left the nest. I mean, we still just talk basically every day, but, uh, but you know he's a big guy now, and and very proud of him. Uh, From humble beginnings look, with fresh off the boat to yeah. <laughs> college man bench pressing more than yes. his dad's weight. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, the humility is something which maybe he could probably work on a little bit more. But <laughs> that all said, um, yeah, you know, uh, I am somebody who has to say I'm a writer by and large because it is actually the least complicated uh, of the various things I could explain that I have done, but. You know, I, 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 the the kind of good thing is that I can actually, at least if I do want to make conversation, point to stuff that I have, in fact, written to, written for and written about, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've written, I was a TV critic for The Village Voice. I wrote a column for the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, I, I wrote uh, a similar column for The Wall Street Journal. And uh, now contribute to CNN, um, a range of other things. Uh, co-host a podcast with my good friend Phil Yu. Yay. Uh, let me explain to you the concept of Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is called, uh, they call us Bruce, but it's not actually about Bruce Lee, except when we want it to be. Um, and then, of course, uh, there is there's the books, and there's the book, right? Mm-hmm. So I've written a number of books, and it's it's kind of cool to actually, you know, in this era of being able to see things on the internet and track them and just look at, how do I put it? It's like, look at data, I guess, mm-hmm. right? Uh, now that we are collectively authoring this thing, uh, I've, I've realized that Amazon actually has these incredible tools, like these dashboard tools, mm-hmm. to see in real time as people are kind of interacting with and and potentially purchasing your book right because they'll give you charts uh, like daily charts you know showing what your position is wow uh, you know between one and like 10 billion <laughs> whatever number of books they have on on amazon so you can actually see the 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 up and down path of your your book sales uh it has been fascinating frustrating uh a little bit crazy making and you know, you can do it for all the books you've written if you've written more than one book. So anyway, that's crazy. It, it's, been, it's been a little a little weird. It's like fantasy baseball, except with books. <laughs> I feel like that chart is probably reflecting. If it were me, it'd be like reflecting my blood pressure. Like just, <laughs> I'm like I don't know what to do with this information. Yeah, I'm the yeah. best. I'm the worst. Oh, I'm mediocre. Oh, I, mean, I got better. Like I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, you know. Well, yes. Yeah, so never good enough. Never good enough. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was taught that from very, very young. <laughs> Speaking of <women>. anyway, <laughs> but it's it's like it's amazing because you know I I've benefited I I will say because I'm the young in here but like I've I've benefited off of both of your work and unbeknownst to me right and I think that's been the really cool part of 
me participating in the Asian American creative community for as long as I have, which is already like at 13 years now for me. But I knew of Angry Asian. I read Phil's blog when I was in college and I finally had T3 internet, you know, in my dorm. And I like, it was the <laughs> shit. And I was so happy and I was like amazed. But it gave me such access to a part of my identity through his blog just to like, right out the gate feel so seen. And I'm like, oh, someone gets it. Someone made it there a point to write about this, right? And I would never know until much later, like the huge impact that was happening, having on like this community that I was about to in- enter into. But for me personally, Phil, I just have to put that on record because, you know, we're on my show right now. Like you changed my life. You getting online <laughs> and making a, a website and becoming a blooger um, <laughs> really – it did, it did create a gateway for me to like have some semblance of pride, which I had like, then we can talk about that because it's in the book that you guys have written about the nineties and things like that. But it's in my very formative years at a really important time in my life. It was really, really impactful. And it has remained since even after becoming your friend and me like, I'm friends with angry Asian man. Thank you. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> but I have to say thank you on the record, Phil, for doing what you did. Well, I uh, thank you for, telling me that i mean it means a lot even after all these years i mean i just celebrated 21 years uh, the anniversary of doing this and um you know it's still it does not um i i'm still amazed that i made it this far Mm -hmm. and at times still amazed that it made any impact at all like i you know you you when you started, you don't think you're going to start, you're starting anything mm-hmm. and uh, you just put it out there. And that's one thing about working from behind this laptop is that like, I don't, I don't know what kind of impact it's making. So in the years now, in, as we get these, you know, as I enter the, the third decade of doing this, um, it's nice to hear that like, whoa, these, these seeds that got, I guess they got planted are, you know, are kind of sprouting up everywhere and, Make an impact and causing ripples and yeah, um, huge. I, I do appreciate hearing that. Yeah, ripples and waves, and and the same goes to you, Jeff. Because when I was, I got to meet you later than Phil. But when I was learning about your background with journalism and with what you wrote and what you started when you were in school and whatnot, which I would love if you could share that story. Um, those those were seeds for all of us, right? Like for at least my entire generation. And those are the things that I I want to document on this podcast because. We, we can we can have so many different experiences and believe that they're new <laughs> when in fact they are not. And it is good to recognize that they are not because you can benefit from learning about how somebody handled it before and also know who's a resource, all these different things, right? It can honestly yeah. help so in so many ways. And like, so I want to toot your horn. And if you can like share your story on like the work that you did creating your magazine, can you like <laughs> regroup on that sure. real quick? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny talking about magazines in this day and age. Yeah, even like, I, I, honestly, the craziest thing for me was seeing that uh, Entertainment Weekly uh, is no longer publishing a print edition. Yeah, oh, and wow. even even before that, they were no longer publishing weekly. I actually literally just, yeah. you know, it, it, when they went from we, they from Entertainment Weekly to publishing monthly, and then now just digital, it just re- made me realize how uh, how an entire chapter of my life and an entire uh era of communications has has really started to kind of fade out for this next generation Mm. uh but 
in its time and for its time, I mean, magazines were kind of a way to define entire communities to almost establish a mark of identity, uh, especially in the ethnic space, right? I mean, uh, there were magazines like Ebony and Essence and, you know, Latina and so on and so forth, um, kind of planting the flag for the idea that uh, if you have a magazine, then there's almost like coherency to to your disparate and diverse community. There's a place where you can kind of present your heroes and icons. You can address your issues. You can engage in this conversation on a monthly basis or bi-monthly or however frequently basis. Mm -hmm. Uh, And people, by simply buying magazines and putting them on their, you know, coffee tables or counters or whatever they were they were staking a claim they were they were you know kind of wearing it as a badge right Mm -hmm. and i don't think that that happens anymore in the same way i mean i think people still read magazines maybe fashion magazines especially but by and large this idea that you are the magazines that are sort of splayed out on your on your uh in your living room or something i don't think people feel that way anymore Mm. but but back then right when i was graduating from school it really felt like uh if Asian Americans could simply have some kind of national vehicle, some periodical that could put a lens on us in some fashion, then it, it would it would it would make all these things that we were talking about in our you know amongst our small groups of friends in in, in college it was always sort of the common room conversations, right? Where it's like you know, we'd bring up things that probably a million other people in, you know, thousands of other similar kinds of rooms and situations before, after, and during uh, would bring up sharing how we grew up, right? Mm-hmm. You know, our immigrant parents, the tension between tradition and uh, assimilation or acculturation, expectations that came from both inside and outside, this feeling of not quite being part of anything, right? Not quite knowing how to define yourself. All those things that were happening, if we could actually put that on paper mm-hmm. and sandwich those papers between a glossier paper. <laughs> a thicker glossier paper. Like, thicker glossier paper. Uh, somehow it felt like like it would, um, it would all make a little bit more sense, mm-hmm. right? Or at least we'd have the questions in one place. So I convinced three friends of mine that, uh, when we uh, graduated to spend the summer trying to put together a publication that uh, would do that for Asian Americans. And we actually originally came up with the name AD for it, right? Uh, the magazine for Americans of Asian descent. And uh, it, it's kind of funny because our first brush with notoriety came when a Wall Street Journal reporter somehow heard about us, came to one of our editorial, our all volunteer editorial meetings, and then wrote about it in a column, right? Wow. And uh, we started to get all these people reaching out to us saying, oh my gosh, this is a great idea. You're doing all this, you know, we let it, how, how do we get involved, et cetera? And then we got this, this um, you know, fancy FedEx uh, <laughs> package landing on our front door. Uh, and we're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You know, what is this about? It, it looks like it's coming from a magazine publishing uh, house. Maybe they've reached out to us because they want to back us in some fashion. We eagerly tear it open and it's actually uh, a cease and desist letter. Oh, oh okay. Oh, no. <laughs> from the from the publishers of Architectural Digest. Oh no. 
and they're like the letters a and d are ours <laughs> stop uh, it. so stop it now yes <laughs> yeah basically don't do that so uh we we had to scurry and uh, we actually thought about not you know of, of ending our little project right there but all the people involved really wanted to continue uh so we ended up cogitating brainstorming over different names uh after throwing out all the names that were somehow related to food <laughs> we were we were stuck with just a cup you know food or uh trying to retake offensive slurs in various fashion mm-hmm. right it's mm-hmm. like how many variations of you know slant or bamboo or you know pagoda whatever like all the all the dumb names rice that, rice <laughs> yeah, exactly you know uh mo- i mean like some of these actually ended up being other magazines whatever but um Ultimately, we ended up with uh, the, the name A Magazine, right? And we had all sorts of reasons for it. A, obviously, being the first letter of Asian and of American, but also because A just sounded like the beginning of something. And we we ended up uh, publishing under that name for 10 years, right? Wow. And, and seeing a lot of transformation occur, basically, from the beginning of the 90s through the end of the 90s. And then we crashed into the iceberg known as the uh, dot-com revolution, for those of you guys who remember back that that far, we in 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 sort of spectacularly stupid fashion, you know, we ended up being approached uh, to launch an online version of a magazine called A Online. Of course, uh, we raised money for it. People handed us money for it, and uh, you know, it was that era where the more you spent and grew, the better off you were supposed to be. So. The people who by that time were kind of in control of the finances, right? Um, I, I shall not say anything other than uh, they were not themselves readers of A Magazine. Mm, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, we were just on a trajectory where we were going to like end up burning through more cash than we could ever hope to score in revenues in the time that existed before the stock market imploded right uh the bubble finally burst and it did and then yeah we got acquired and the company that acquired us crashed and burned and and that was the end of that both the magazine and kind of that era and i i always tell phil that uh in in the months of kind of wandering in the wilderness uh after a magazine finally shut down and a online of course finally shut down uh, I, I really wondered what was going to come next for Asian Americans, what would connect people to one another in the ways that we'd hoped to with this magazine. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when I finally met Phil and I saw what he was doing, I was like, oh, you know what? It's going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. Oh, know? I love that. So, yeah. That's... That, that... <laughs> And here we are yeah. <laughs> on your, on your yeah. podcast. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then we, we would go on to become, you know, the closest collaborators because <laughs> I work with the most. <laughs> yes. Yeah, wait, Phil, what's your, can you, was how did you guys meet? When was the, what was the moment? And like, I love that. That's such a, I, I, I could not have asked for a better story and uh, curious how that you guys coming together happened. I actually don't know that. I don't know how you guys met. Uh, the story of us meeting is, um, well, the first, I mean, the first time we met was for a press event for this, uh, show that Jeff was producing called, uh, what? Stir? Stir, Stir TV. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's kind of an Asian American like magazine show that kind of ran in, um, uh, amongst other places, KTSF in, in, in the yes. Bay area. Nice. Um, nice. Uh, 
Uh, it was eventually kind of the flagship show of a short-lived digital network, uh, not digital, a uh, cable network rather, uh, called AZN. If you remember, <laughs> yeah, wow, AZN TV. Yes. Okay. And so I, I, I remember going to the event, and then Jeff came up to me, and he was like, "Hey, you're that you're that guy," and I was like, <laughs> "I'm the guy," oh, you know. Uh, and so that was like a weird thing of like, oh wow, like Jeff Yang, who I know of, of course, it, like. Uh, he knows who I am. And then, um, you know, I think we traveled, we, we traveled similar uh, spaces and circles and interests for many years, uh, though Jeff was on the East Coast and I was on the West Coast. And um, I, I, I don't, Jeff, I don't remember how we started to like, kind of hang out and become closer, you know, like, I, I genuinely think it was because I, I mean, I travel to LA frequently. We'd sometimes end up in the same place, like South by Southwest. I, I used to have like these gigantic dinners yeah. uh, back when people actually met face to face in the flesh. Once upon a time. And, once upon a time. And, um, and, you know, you were always, uh, you know, it was always, it was always like a, a big group of people of whom you were one. And, uh, and then, um, I remember one of them actually where, uh, I'd gotten off of some a Disney cruise, I think, with the family. I will never be on a cruise again. <laughs> <laughs> None of us not, will. Not I don't think so. But it was it was just me and actually my younger son because uh, Hudson and uh, his mom had decided to stay on the boat or something. And uh, Skylar, the, the younger one, was only like, you know, a couple like years old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but somehow or other, uh, I handed him to to Phil when I was like trying to do something else and Phil ended up getting stuck with him <laughs> for like a fair amount of time. Uh, so uh, I remember, you know, uh, I, I was, I was appreciative of his patience, but uh, especially since, you know, Skylar was not the easiest kid to take care of often, but somehow that, that was one of the ice, the real sort of, I, we were friends already, but you know, it was, it was like bonding there. And then actually for what it's worth, Moving to L.A. made all the difference. I mean, you know, we saw each other a lot, you know, when we traveled before then and crossed paths. But when I came out here, uh, I really do feel like Phil was, you know, not just one of the first people to really pave the way for me and, and ultimately for Hudson. Uh, you know, certainly instant family, you know, out here, uh, him and, and Joe and uh, and Addie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but... Um, but also Phil was a kind of a big piece of fresh off the boat, right? Uh, in, in the background, uh, he and, and Jenny Yang had launched this after show, which kind of became oh, a, more, yeah. oh my like, God. a formal informal after show for fresh off the boat. Yes. Yeah. So that, that actually ended up being a, another reason why we ended up kind of connecting a lot more. And, and, you know, I mean, yeah, just I, went from there. yeah. Yeah. No, I I do. I mean, Jeff wrote a, a profile on me for what was oh, then yeah. Corey M. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I don't know, like like now eleven or twelve years ago. <laughs> um, but then uh, no, I remember through the whole process of you of Hudson auditioning for Fresh Off the Boat. I mean, like we were texting back and forth constantly throughout that time, just like you know. Um, uh, I, probably mostly because Jeff knew that I was I would be super interested in in the, in the whole process. But yeah, um, I remember you know helping you sort of acclimate to LA back in the you know back then. I remember I remember I remember asking you asked like 
oh, you were like, oh, sh- should we get a car? And I was like, yeah, dude, you need to get a car. Like, yeah. oh, what kind of question is that? First again? thing, like, first of all, yeah, yeah you need yeah. a car. First of all. First of all, you're in LA. Yes, you need a car. But that's such yeah. an important part. I mean, if you talk to anybody that moves to LA, but especially from a place like New York, you you need you need somebody to help, you know, like welcome you there and like help you with certain logistics and like adaptations, right? It's not yeah. a this is a very interesting place to to transplant to. And a lot of people do it, but I think mm. having somebody like Phil to welcome you with open arms and like be that I that's I love that because it's like you guys went from being you know, admirers across from coast to coast of work <laughs> and collaborators to being like, yeah, there, there's, it's, I, I love stories of how people genuinely find their people and how they mm. build those bonds. Because I think, especially as adults, this is an ongoing theme that I'm hearing about is like finding friends as adults is, is mm. really tough. You totally. know, you know, yeah. everyone gets really settled with their peeps or with their coworkers or their families. Right. And it's not easy to like crack in there. So I love that you guys, it happens so organically and now we have this awesome podcast and all these great things that came out of that relationship. I feel very like it's so great to to know the the origin story. Well, uh, I, you know, I will say uh, Phil, you know, certainly was one of the the key people to make me feel at home here. Uh, you know, both in in terms of friendship, just like hanging out, grabbing drinks, you know, talking, catching up, and yeah, the whole fresh off the boat experience and everything, but. I think the other really big thing uh, about settling into Los Angeles was, to a certain extent, refining community. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's not like I didn't know people here, but it's it is a little different if you're an active person, and I very much was so in New York, right? Knowing all the people who are also active, knowing all the the events to go to, the the you know the leaders to uh, engage with, it's not super easy. And you know, I, I will say. Minji, I, I think you 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 know played more than your role too in in uh, making that something you know that sort of network connection happen for for myself and I'm sure not just myself I'm sure for tons and tons of people through collaboration mm-hmm. you know, even just through uh, introducing people and and being that intermediary I guess between worlds the, the many worlds that you actually traverse so. Uh, I certainly remember lots of times when I was like, oh, you know, I see Minji across the room, you know, come over, say hi. It's like, oh, yeah. And she's surrounded by like half a dozen other people. And now I know them all. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's I love it. And that's that's something that uh, I've I've seen as like a plus on my side of like what I can do in my extrovertedness. (laughs) Like there's got to (laughs) be utility in that. I can't be all just like noise. Um, But that makes me happy. I'm really glad because there there are so many there's so many aspects to this community that it gets really, really insular. And Phil, you can, you know, chime in when, cause I met Phil up in the Bay before I moved to LA and, cause we're both Bay area people, but I mm. knew him through, I'm pretty sure Phil, we met because of collaboration event, right? Uh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we might've met in LA first, like, okay. like you came down for a collaboration thing. Okay. Uh, but you invited me to be a judge yeah. for collaboration SF. Um, and I was like, yeah, of course. Uh, and this is back when you were, I knew you as Christine, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> oh, back then. Yeah, back then. And uh, and I and I remember this collaboration show distinctly because guess who else was a judge in that same show? Mr. Jeremy Lin. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
pre pre Lin Sanity, I remember, and uh, it was uh, he was just this regular dude, and so we're, um, but I remember that um, it's. I, I'll say this, Minji, it's been really cool to see your journey as well, witnessing as as a friend and uh, as a fellow like community member, just seeing you um, kind of grow as an artist, as a as a person like plugged in and kind of trying to create stuff and and also paving ways and connecting people like that's a skill and that's an art and that's like really important too. And so I, I see you as a really, um, as a connector. Yes. But then the other part, I think that I've really appreciated seeing you over, um, last couple of years is really kind of going for your art and, 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 and kind of going for what you want your voice to be. Um, because I think collaboration is, is actually was, you know, that was an important like community builder and it's, it's about, it's a, it's a facilitating kind of role. Um, mm-hmm. But when I saw that, like Minji is doing this for herself, like doing stuff for herself, I was like that, that I want to see that, you know, that's what I want to see. And, oh my God. Um, so <laughs> I've, I'm, I will say this as someone who I'm not even that much older than you, but I say I was very proud. I've been very proud to see where you, you've kind of taken your, your pursuits. Thank you. Oh my God. I'm getting, I'm like blushing and I'm so happy. Thank you. That, that really means a lot. And it, it means a lot from people who've like really honestly seen me from the beginning. That show was actually my first show as director. And like, that was, that was a kick-ass night too, by the way. Like it was so, oh, it was, a blast. It was yeah. so much fun. And Jeremy Lynn did the Dougie on stage. And like, right. also <laughs> where that show is in Lynn Sanity. They filmed part of it there. Um, Cause it was it was right like when he was the warrior he was in the Golden State Warriors and then like soon thereafter popped off to New York like it was crazy it was just there's so much happening at that time and I was so grateful to have it there and also I will say just for the record I had no idea that Phil was gonna look the way that he did just because of the name because <laughs> of the name of his blog I really envisioned that like he was gonna be way older. You know, and I'm sure, Phil, you've gotten this like a gazillion times from so many people, right? But like, I was like, yeah. Phil's like young and hip and cool. And like, what? Like, this is not, this is not correct. This is a misnomer. <laughs> like, But it, it was, was so like, different from uh, all those pictures on the dating sites. I know. <laughs> so many people, Phil. How many people? How many people uh, have is, used you for dating sites? It's ridiculous. We sh- I should actually, yeah, clarify that that is an inside joke that for whatever reason, Phil has been a a uh, very frequent target of people who want to fish other people <laughs> by by using his photograph for some reason. It's like wildly flattering. It's got to be right, Phil. It's like uh, it's been but- happening for many years, and I only recently, <laughs> I actually only recently started sort of like sharing about it in public because I, before I wanted to discourage trolls from like imitating it, um, but then I thought like. I guess the more the photos out there, like then people will know, like that's fake. Like mm-hmm. they know who Phil is, and that's not Phil. And so, <laughs> if, if I sort of proliferated the images, at least people will know that this is something that, like, some this is some bullshit that's been happening to me. Um, yeah, and and the and the distinction, the important distinction is to know is like these people are not impersonating me. They are just they're making up some random ass profile and using my photo, <laughs> pretending to be you know Tom Huang or whatever you, you know like. It's uh, it's, it's really, strange, and everyone always has asked me like, "How do you find these?" I'm like, "It's because I have friends who 
come upon them on dating sites like people you know like you get matched with you exactly, <laughs> exactly. My, my sister's friend uh lives in atlanta and she got on like cute okay cupid or whatever like got this one she's like wait a minute isn't that hannah's brother like <laughs> hannah's <laughs> married brother <laughs> with, with uh, this child? guy's name was like this guy's name was like harry or something and so uh i don't like i don't know this it's it's such a pain in the ass, right? Because you're like, because <laughs> you know, like, one, you know they're up to no good. And two, this cannot end well for anybody right. in this circumstance, right? Mm. Like, what is, to what, what is the end game here? And so it's, uh, I mean, on one end, yes, it's flattering, right? They're like, oh, I, they see my my visage as as innocuous enough to do, want to, want to take it in for whatever purposes. Uh, but... I it's just weird. feel so, these sad sacks, you know, like, why are you doing this? You know, just it's annoying. It. Yeah. yeah. It's well, it's, it makes me sad. That's like the way that they can maybe like get at least a conversation with someone. But in in any case, I love that you found the silver lining, which is the more that it's out there, more people will understand this is not a real, like, it's not really that person. And that's good. That's good. We can prevent some feelings getting her too much investment in the catfish. So blessings blessings all around <laughs> um but i love that we got to share our origin stories and i love to understand the work and after this quick break we're going to come back and talk more about rise and the importance of this narrative that you all have been like contributing to alongside me inspiring me we'll come back in a, in a sec and talk about all of that so be right back we deserve love because we know that is true Hey, I'm Bill Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace. Hey, first of all, fam, if you're a fan of the show and would like to support, consider backing us on Patreon. You can join our Discord community and get different perks by going to patreon.com slash firstofallpodcast. If you'd like to support in other ways, you can go check out firstofallpod.com or subscribe and leave a five-star rating on your favorite platform or just follow me on Instagram because I love hearing from you. Thank you all so much for the support and enjoy the show. Well, so we had a refreshing break. Are you feeling... Are you feeling rejuvenated? Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Yes. Okay. So I am so excited. I've peeked at the book. I am buying one. Um, and I love everything that I've seen so far. Before we get into the contents of it, you you two and Phil Wang from Wang Fu Productions are mm-hmm. the co-authors of Rise, talking about just like the anthology or like the history of Asian America, if you will, right? Is that the best way to describe it? So I guess so the way we'd put it is, I mean, the subtitle is a pop history of Asian America from the nineties to now. Right. right. Uh, and actually it's a slice of Asian American history that we focused on for 
a couple reasons. The first is it really hasn't been covered super well, mm-hmm. right? Like when we talk about Asian American history, there's actually stuff that goes all the way up through the 80s. You know, uh, obviously Vincent Chin happened in the 80s uh, and, and the, the revival of the Asian American movement around that. But once you hit the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, for one, a lot of people don't feel like that's really history yet. You know, it's, yeah. we, we lived through it, a lot of us, and obviously all of us on you know, on this uh, call, at, at least tasted those decades. But the uh, the other thing is that the reason why that chunk of history is perhaps less covered is because we we almost like sped through it, right? Uh, Phil Philip Wang, uh, you know, again our, our third musketeer, frequently likes to say that it, it really grinds his gears that people think like crazy rich Asians burst out of nowhere. Right. Uh, like basically there was joy luck club, 30 years of silence and then <laughs> crazy rich Asians or whatever, <laughs> right? Or 20 years. Of you know, so th- that, that kind of thing happens, that kind of el- eliding of what happened over those three decades uh, comes about because we're too busy living it in some ways right. to, to really be like fully ex- exploring and examining it. And one of the, very few silver linings of being in a pandemic quarantine for two years is that you have a little bit more time to sort of sit back and look back. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, that, and this is the other reason why that, that three decade focus is so important is because yes, those three decades were a decade in which it were three decades in which Asian America rose, in which we went from complete invisibility effectively to well, where we are now, uh, which we're still figuring out, but certainly we're far more visible, far more um, pronounced, and actually far more kind of unafraid to be us than we have been for three decades, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, part of this is because the people who came of age during that three-decade period really did have the responsibility of figuring out what Asian America meant, right? Mm-hmm. Um we talk about this in the very first chapter, which is not a chapter on, we, we have a chapter called before and then we have three chapters, uh, the nineties, the two thousands, the 2010s curated by myself and then by Phil and then by Philip. Right. So each of us takes kind of a decade. And then finally a chapter called beyond where we look ahead into what comes next for us. Right. Uh, as a community, but the before chapter tees up the fact that the meaning uh, the the term Asian American was actually publicly unveiled, was in, coined and and created as something that was visible in the world in 1968, right? Mm-hmm. And that was when you had these third world third world liberation protests in the Bay Area. Uh, Huey Newton, a Black Panther leader, had been jailed. Students of many different backgrounds were marching to support Black student leaders, black activists in general, who were uh, rallying to try to get Huey Newton freed. And a bunch of students of Asian descent wanted to march along, but they wanted to do so under their own, literally their own banner, right? Mm-hmm. And so they, they created a banner, they created a, a, a term, an organization on the spot, right? The Asian American Political Alliance, and put it on a banner. And that's what they marched under. And it's something I think is really important to remember because we talk a lot about how um, without without both the foundations laid and the fights that were 
waged and won in many cases by Black Americans, there would not be an Asian America. Right. But it's also true that there would not be the term Asian American if it had not been for a desire by Asian Americans to have solidarity with Black Americans, mm -hmm. right? And um, so that said, 1968, this term was coined. A generation, you know, or a cohort of people was was born, you know, we're all largely children of people who were first-generation immigrants coming in after uh, the Hart Seller Act made it possible for Asians to come in large numbers in the late 60s and early 70s. And so by the time the 90s roll around, you have all these kids of the late 60s and early 70s coming of age, coming out of college. They've you know really connected with other Asians of different backgrounds for the first time in college. I know that certainly was the case for me. And then going on to the corporate world or the creative world or whatever worlds they actually end up belonging to and realizing people are using this term Asian American, asking you to kind of defend and define it. And you don't know what the fuck it means. Right. You know? Right. So that was the hard work of the 90s, 2000s, 2010s to fill in that blank. Uh, and, you know, again, each of us kind of took a chapter to talk a little bit about how those blanks started to get filled in, uh, both by writing a deep introduction ourselves, but also bringing together tons of incredibly just uh, amazing voices and creators to tell their parts of the story for themselves. I'll just pass it to Phil to Phil uh, to Phil <laughs> to talk a little bit more. It's hard because we have so many Phils. Yeah, you do. <laughs> like, we're, we're keeping uh, it straight by calling him. Well, I'm Phil Yu, and he's Philip Wang, and yeah. so we just say. Ah, uh, yes, good, good know, distinction. I like that. The way to keep it straight. Um, yeah, I know, I, and and a lot of this is really um, a lot of this is just to have a rec a record, right? Yeah. Of all this stuff, of of you know, because along the way. There are so many things that sort of contributed to the making of uh, Asian American culture, right? And things that we didn't really realize were, were we, we you could categorize as culture, things that were just that we were just just were, you know, yeah. it, whether it's like as Asian American youth or um, this this kind of stuff that we were into or the stuff that just kind of informed our li our daily lives. Mm -hmm. We just lived them, so we didn't really sort of document them as 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 some <laughs> some kind of like stamp on who we are as Asian Americans. But nevertheless, that stuff existed. And a lot of that was, a lot of this book was us wanting to collect it and be like, you know, that was a thing, you know? Um, we, you know, I, my hope is that Asian Americans would read this and, and you know, happen upon a particular section or, or piece and go like, oh my God, that was a thing. I remember this. <laughs> I was into this. I just thought it was me and my friends. I didn't realize like this was kind of a thing. And um, yes, and, and I, I appreciate that it's being recognized here, right? So it's it's everything from like, I don't know, like AZN. AZN is a very specific Hell aesthetic yeah. and lifestyle <laughs> Hell that a yeah. lot of people were not going to understand. But if you knew it, you knew it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and stuff like that, you know. And I, I hope that people, I hope anybody reads this and learns something. But I really do. I, I, in a lot of ways, I was sort of reaching out to other Asian Americans who, and hopefully we'll see this and kind of feel seen. You know, or kind yeah. of understand like, oh, we are part of the culture. We are part of the history because history, as most Americans understand it about Asian Americans, is very shallow. 
is very, very shallow. So yes, absolutely. we want to just kind of create that, you know? I'm so glad that you did both. I mean, and I'm curious how in the time of COVID that in that space, right, this, this, uh, the space where you can kind of let all these thoughts percolate and then turn into something tangible for the rest of humanity to experience. Like, I love that. I think that's such a beautiful and sacred part of the creation process. And it's so important because if, if we don't tell it, who will, right? It, it comes coming from the source. There's more nuance. There's more humor. There's more heart to anything than somebody, some third party, you know, observing and, and giving their take on it, which is also a valid, you know, perspective that I, you know, I'm not saying it's like not valuable, but it's, it's, I really do think that's the main thing I learned by being part of this Asian American uh, community and the creative community specifically, if not us, then who like literally, like if you're, if we're not going to write it, who are you expecting to write it? They don't know. They don't know our trends. They don't know the things that we wore, why we ate the things and where Boba really came from and how it got popular. And like, (laughs) you know, like what you're saying, it's kind of like, um, what's the analogy sometimes like, you're just you're cooking in the pot, like the frog in the pot. Like if the frog's in the water and the water's like they they just get cooked alive. But when the frog's outside of the water and jumps in and the water's freaking hot, it jumps out because it recognizes it's hot. Or maybe that's not even the right analogy. Maybe it's like you don't you're fish in water, <laughs> so you don't get that there's water. It's just water. Like, you know, there's nothing special about this. It's water. I don't know. I'm not good on it. It's late, but um <laughs> either way, I say you don't realize how special something is until sometimes someone outside of you takes a moment to like acknowledge that it's special and that it was worth looking at and documenting. And I also think that as an educational component for other people who are curious and that don't know where to start to understand pop culture is such a great way to dive into it, right? Like who doesn't love to think about movies and music and film, you know, like, and fashion and all the different things that that make us who we are and our interests. It's very universal yet specific. So I love that you guys incorporated this pop culture aspect and this historical part too, because just from the bits that I've read, it's so, I'm still learning a lot, you know, besides just having moments of nostalgia and feeling seen. This book is like, you guys are referring to things that were incredibly important political moments, like Jeffrey already mentioning with the black community, like there's so many people out there who don't know that that at all, that has been completely left out of many, most narratives, I think up until now where we're finally vocalizing it and saying, yeah, there were, we were there and this exists because of that. And not to over credit anything, but like to, you know, acknowledge it. Cause I think it's, that's important. It's an important part of the story. It really is. And I, I do feel like um, a big task in the book or of the book was was sort of filling in the blanks right yeah just uh highlighting those things that people might have missed if they weren't paying attention part of it also was you know again just like reveling in in that nostalgia of of recapturing these beats that were so critical to us like literally and figuratively these moments these these phenomena that uh shaped our own upbringing in many cases across these three decades uh so you know (laughs) like self-celebration a little bit good but, yes th- there's a there's yeah. <laughs> between the three of us though because our because of sort of the nature of um where our perspectives the span of our perspectives across the decades lie different places um <laughs> jeff being the oldest and uh and me in the middle and philip being the young the youngest of us three there were more than a few occasions where between the three of us 
it was like a conversation where like two of us were trying to convince the third person like no 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 that was that this is important we need to put this in the book like this is a big deal like you know like rufio is a big deal you know and, yeah uh, hell yeah you know yeah, that, like that kind of thing that's a question that, that was honestly one of my first questions when i was like when i i was like yeah phil phil and jeff like this is amazing but then i was like how do they decide this? And I was so curious, right? As soon as you guys reveal that you're doing this book, I was like, what is in it? And how did they decide what goes in it? You know? So I love that you're already like, into it. Yeah. So can yeah. you explain like where, who, okay. So Jeff, you're the writer that's written books. And so were you mm. the person that kind of brought it together saying like, Hey, let's write something together. Like really curious how that played out. And then the decision-making process. I, I, I guess. Yeah. You know, I, I sort of served as like the, the ringleader and, uh, the guy who kind of kept the train rolling down the tracks a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, ultimately it really did take not just the three of us, but this, you know, this huge, this enormous community of folks uh, of, of writers, contributors, illustrators, uh, interviewees, you know, curators of different aspects of Asian American existence and life to actually make this happen. I mean, just, you know, calling out one, for instance, uh, a guy who I think really defined an entire category of Asian America in our book is, is Richie Manchavez, Richie. Yes! Trachtenberg, right? Trachtenberg. Um, and that, that dude has been like a hundred percent just on rails focused on Asian American music and musicians. Yes. And uh, we knew at the very, from the very beginning that we wanted him to, you know, do a series of playlists for us. Right. Uh, and at first it was just gonna be nineties, 2000s, 2010s. We asked him to actually go back and do a before playlist, right. Mm-hmm. As well. You know, so music from all the decades of existence from the 1990s, um, in which there was recorded music. But the main thing is that he, he took the task on with both just immersion and detail and authenticity he killed uh, it. He, he just killed it. It's yeah. one of my favorite things about the book because I he totally agree. It, he just brings so much knowledge and 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 like a a real true he he understood the assignment. You yes. know what I mean? Like, yes, he does. Oh, he understood the assignment and like he just brought it. And I, like I love. I learned so much actually because of Richie. Like, um, that's a big that's a big one. I mean, and to answer your question, Minji, about like what? How do we decide what goes in the book? Um, I'll. A lot of it, honestly, was in the in the in the outset being like, "All right, let's open up a, a Google Doc, and <laughs> what do we want in this book?" And then just th- like throwing everything at the at the wall and seeing like, okay, and 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 a lot of debates and being like, "Let's do this," and then a, a lot of discovery along the way, like just after after some conversation, be like, "You know what? I think we really need a separate piece about." about this about mm-hmm. about about the bangra scene you know like um which us between us three like we don't have a lot of knowledge about but like it it appears to be like a pretty big deal let's get let's bring in some people who were into that and like and 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 you know further explore that you know so it was a lot of like push and pull exploring more digging deeper mm-hmm. trying to fill in the gaps where yeah. we you know where we we were deficient um, where we did, we had blind spots. Um, and, and then in the end, like trying to find, trying to write the book, the best book that the three of us could write, mm-hmm. you know, with, within our, with our circle and with our community and, and not trying to be like the definitive, you know, chronicle of all of this, you know? Right. Right. But I, I will say, uh, that 
we had a point of view, right? And and uh, that was important, you know, to your point, Phil, it, this is the best imperfect, but as complete as we can make it, uh, book about these three decades that the three of us could write, along with some super cool friends and a network of people. So I, I do think that uh, in some ways it's like those, you know, those co-hosts, guest stars, etc., who end up like really kind of making the book unique. And I'm going to say two things. You know, one is that we have this other running feature in the book called the Asian American syllabus, where a lot of our arguments about what belongs and what doesn't <laughs> were played out in, in you know, we, we just recorded all those conversations and then kind of transcribed them, uh, you know, clean them up a little bit, but try to cover as much ground as we could in terms of the things that you needed to actually watch or read or just be aware of in some ways in order to understand each of these decades, right? Mm -hmm. But to bring a little bit more of a pointed recap, if you will, of the decades, we brought in some old friends of ours who are not old, you know, but who are longtime <laughs> friends of ours. Longtime uh, friends. Longtime friends of ours. Uh, and, and they have been a little bit uh, on hiatus or uh, in retirement, uh, if you will, for a, a while now. But it was so refreshing to bring them back and listen to them talk and then have them kind of form those, those conversations into conversations for the book. And we're talking about um, Jen Wang and uh, Dinah Nguyen, uh, the duo behind Disgrasian. Uh, nice. For us, not only are they great friends, but they also, their voices shaped a certain way of looking at Asian America, much as I think, you know, from my perspective, Phil did, right, with Angry Asian Man. Mm -hmm. And uh, we want to just hear what they had to say, not just about the decades in which they were really active, but even up to the present. So we, we brought them back. We literally kind of carved out some space for each decade to say, let's let's let this Grecian just run again, <laughs> you know, yeah. live again, rise again. Yeah, uh, that was a lot of fun. Amazing. I love that you did that, because I think when when it comes to something as as personal to as when you're talking about identity, right. And you're talking about the culture and like uh, everything that kind of defines that or falls under that, that category. Uh, there's going to be a lot of pushback. And that's why I, I think personally for me as like a creative and I love Phil, I love that you noticed that I'm, I'm trying to get out there in terms of having my voice and my point of view and my story and the narratives I want to push forward exist. There's a fear that I've constantly had even maybe planted in like, exacerbated by my experience with the Asian American community that like I was not like many other it's the stereotype it's like I did not like to fail I didn't like to mess up I didn't like to get an F on my whatever project and to know that I could potentially offend somebody or to miss the mark in some way right when it's something that's as important to for me so I can imagine for anybody else talking about Asian American identity and the culture that defines us and what we like and what our tastes are to be in any way like a tastemaker to like put any parameters around that, especially doing showcases and selecting artists to be part of a lineup and stuff like that. I was deathly afraid of, of doing it wrong. Right. And I, I'm so grateful that you guys took this on, but I'm also curious, did you face any pushback in the process of that? Or like with those questions, part of your minds, because I mean, I love the three of you and I have a lot of faith and trust in like the rigor that you're going to approach this with. And journalism and like, you know, doing the due diligence and talking to all the right people. But like, you know, we live in such a cancel culture, crazy world more now more than ever. Right. 
Um, were you guys thinking of that when it's like, oh, you know, there's going to be three East Asian men who are writing this book on Asian American pop culture? Um, were there was there conversation around that, or did people ever bring that up, or did you talk about that amongst yourselves? It's like it was, all we it talked was, about, it was, <laughs> it was question number one. I mean, it was the first. See, first I know thing you that guys. came up yeah. yeah um it was like from the from the from jump we were like okay look we are three hetero asian east asian dudes like how are we gonna how are we going to make that um not what this is all about right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and so yeah i mean we were conscious of that still conscious of it still i still have i'm like did we do a good enough job like did we did we try hard enough to make sure that that wasn't a hindrance uh, uh, uh you know the, the sort of the glaring you know drawback of, of our situation i, I don't know but I mean, I, that's why i keep I saying like we, we did we did the best we us three could i think i and mm-hmm. I, 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 we'll see, well, you know, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll defend you. I can, I'll fight people. It's <laughs> I fine. I, mean, I got you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I, I do think that, uh, this is true, right? Um, when you're, when you're ever going to try to put a, a lens on the world, right? Uh, you're always going to have a certain basic subjectivity, you're, 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 you can only see through, ultimately, the eyes that you have, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what you need to do, you know, regardless of who you are, to ensure that you're not looking at the world through blinders and not just through those eyes is, A, to challenge yourself and ask yourself some basic questions from the very, very beginning, right? Uh, and I will say, one of the first we asked was this, is this rise a pop history of Asian America? Or is this rise a pop history of Asian Pacific America, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because this was a really important thing for us to contend with. You know, we know that the Pacific Islander story in America is not just different from Asian America, but in some ways there there are cultural collisions and colonialisms that emerge. You know, mm-hmm. when when we use that term without thinking, right? Right. And so, whenever we ran into stuff like that, we our, our, our reaction was first and foremost, let's bring people together who know more are smarter than us uh, on these topics and have them talk about it. Right. Um, I will say that that was a big saving grace for us uh, that instead of, you know, as much as this is still a, a lensed by us, opinionated, subjective, incomplete in progress view of Asian America through these three decades, we did stop to say, hold up there, you know, let's not try to, to, to take on uh, these issues that we're not a part of Mm. on our own. And uh, having those conversations, having them, those, having people actually play that out for us so we could both learn, you know, probe, ask questions, but ultimately let, let those conversations happen. uh, I think made a big difference in how the book ended up spinning out. Um, And I mean, it's all, again, in the pages. I, I don't know that we could have actually done this book this way at any other time. I, I do feel like there's a sense in which for all of the challenges that uh, COVID provided and the tragedies that ensued from it, there was a little bit more of an urge, I think, for people to talk during this time, right, mm-hmm. uh, than we've seen before. 
and people maybe, maybe even had a little bit more time to do so, right? Uh, jumping on a Zoom, you know, getting together people with people who may, they may have not talked to for decades in some cases was a little easier for us because people were hungry to connect with each other and yeah. had a little time on their hands. And we were talking about a topic that was very much on people's minds at that time, right? How do we actually remember and preserve all the things we want to celebrate in a time where we are, in many cases, feeling like we're under attack? Right. I mean, I, like I said earlier, I will, I will, I'll fight for you. You're, I will defend you. And I, and I, I do think that I, the reason I asked that so openly is because I have 110% faith that you were asking those questions and that that was a very integral part of like the process of making this because I just, because I know you guys. And I think it's, it's, uh, I, I want to preemptively say that because I do think that there may be somebody out there that has like a raised eyebrow about like, well, who are these people? It's just the nature of things, right? And it, it's fine. Like I, I personally am learning how not to take everything so personally. If they're like going to come out and be like, well, did you think about this? And you didn't talk about that. I'm like, no, I did not. I talked about the things I talked about. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I was not able to cover every single freaking thing, but <laughs> like, to come at it from kind of a mindset of gratitude and abundance, like you took the time and put something really, really amazing together. It is, it is a trailblazing document thing to exist, right? <laughs> and I, I, I truly believe that whether or not like somebody thinks that that is the most complete thing, and I think that's kind of relevant. Like it is, it exists. It is something that is deeply appreciated and can hopefully, if anything, just inspire other people to continue and add on to it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, make it more complete. Add your two cents to it. Add your perspective. Add the other mm. elements that may have not been able to be included in all few hundreds of these pages. You can't put all of everything into one book, you know? So um, mm. I just applaud all the effort because I'm sure it took a lot. And also just the, it's clever. It's beautiful. Um, the the illustrations are by Julia Cole. I actually know her because uh, I was uh, – I'm working on a film. I'm producing a feature documentary about a uh, Japanese American rock climber. She's one of the best in the world. And we were asking her to like potentially do the artwork for that. So I oh, actually wow. got to talk with Julia. She's amazing. She's so talented. Yeah. So talented. Yeah. So she did those like hundreds of, uh, of portraits. Seriously. They're on the book. Yeah. It's yeah. what it's so beautiful. And it really does like, you know, as an image, just, just from the portraits alone says so much it, you know, photos, pictures worth a thousand words. But yeah, no, for all those reasons and many, many more that I won't like exhaust everybody, I will defend you. I'm really grateful that you guys have done it and um, did even all the arguing back and forth because <laughs> collaborating on a creative project is no small thing. And there's for so many reasons you're like, all right, fine. I don't want to do it anymore. You guys do it. I don't care. Like I felt that. So I'm just <laughs> being real. Curious, like what are there? Is there anything in the book? Because we obviously can't go through all of it. I want to encourage people to go buy it, support you know, the importance of these stories existing and being consumed and understood by the masses. Um, what are, is there any particular bit that you personally had to fight for and that you're really glad ended up in the book <laughs> or one that didn't make it? I, I, don't, I didn't have to fight for this, but I, 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 I was the one, I think I was the one who sort of, um, uh, kind of shape the way it would it would be presented the book but um it was we we talked to Jin the MC mm. uh, we talk about his like historic run on on freestyle friday mm -hmm. on 106 and park um which 
I don't know if a lot of people know about. I mean, the people who know that this is another thing. Like people who know know that and know that it was like Linsanity esque in mm-hmm. the way he he did accomplish that. But maybe not outsiders might might not get that. So, um, but we took him through each battle, all seven of his of his streak battles, right? Like, um, and had him talk about it. And um, I really wanted it to be like. Um, you know Michael Jordan, the Last Dance style, where he you 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 watch the tape and you and you go and you talk about it. Um, and I don't think I'm not so sure. Like if someone else was writing this book, they would have done it that way. <laughs> so yeah. I was really glad that we did it that way. And um, it's a lengthy piece, but I I I, I like how it turned out. Love that it. Was great. Yeah. Love. I I will say uh, that it's less something that uh, I had to fight for in terms of like you know with our co-authors. Uh, but that I, I pushed super hard for with our publisher. Unfortunately, our, our editor was 100% in our camp, right? Uh, but I wanted to do these things uh, called spaces, right? Uh, where we would essentially take parts of Asian American existence, right? The, the places where we actually live in the real world and then kind of annotate them, you know, with a tongue in cheek. Uh, to to show people who do not live in those spaces what it is like to actually you know sort of live and grow up and exist as Asian Americans, it's part of that whole sort of I want to humanize us, right? Mm-hmm. We want to humanize us for those who don't see us. And w- when we first thought about it, it was like, oh, you know, just be these two pages in the book. You know, each of these spaces will be two pages in the book. We'll have some text on it, uh, and then like this nice picture in, in the middle. And then we, we bring it to our, our amazing editor, Jenny Shu, and I'm describing this thing. And she's like, you know what we can do? We can make them fold out pages. Uh. <laughs> it's like, so they're four pages long. And, you know, there are eight of them in the book. And, and they're full color. And they're gorgeous. And basically, they almost physically allow you to step into these worlds, right? Love it. So, uh, yeah, that was something which I think, out of all the things in the book, there are a lot of things we're proud of. But... That in particular, I feel like if we had not had the support from our editor in in particular, probably would not have happened. Wow. I love that. Thank you for sharing. I can't wait to see that. I can't (laughs) wait to see it. Yeah. That's Uh, definitely a reason why you need to get the physical book because that that, that just that uh, that's definitely one of the things that you benefit from in terms of um, being able to feel it, to to hold it and fold it out and, you know, and, and experience it that way. I love it. That's definitely, I'd say that's a very good push for that. Like, I was like, I'm ready for mine. I'm ready whenever I can get it. Um, and I know that we're, we're a little bit short on time, but, you know, I, I, I feel like it'd just be remiss to say that with everything that's been happening as of late and, you know, it's been a very long two years and there, you know, I, I'm so enthusiastic and inspired by the fact that you guys have made this book and I'm so excited to read it and experience it in its fullness, but also to understand the context of what it, what's been happening these last couple of years. And especially, you know, really recently it's, it has been very mentally, emotionally, spiritually hard um, to keep that like fighting spirit and that, you know, standing tall with your chest pushed out and like feeling like you can take up space and have the, strength to kind of keep going it, we've taken it's been it's been tough um so i just want to note that because i, I feel like it's just like in this n- the meaningfulness of this book i think is directly you know related to the fact that it has it's it's i think something we need and something that we can really get a lot of 
just spirit back. I don't know how else to put it. Does that make sense? I'm just really excited for us to kind of have something to be like, yes, this is who we are. That's what we're hoping. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think an important part about this book is just, um, you know, making ourselves seen and heard, understanding that we have a voice and that we've been here. We have been here. You know what I mean? Um, we didn't just get here. We've been here. Mm-hmm. And everything that's been happening now has actually been happening for quite some time. Yeah. And yeah. we just need to, we, we have to grapple with that. And America also needs to grapple with that. And a large part of that is like from the very beginning. And so much of what's been happening stems from this. But like, who gets to tell the story of us? Mm-hmm. Right? And when someone else tells that story, someone else creates the images. Like, terrible things result from that, you know? Like, it spirals into into awful, violent things. And so, um, this is us just trying to, a small in a small part, like, tell our own story, you know? And, mm-hmm. and make sure that, that, you know, that's in our hands. Yes. Love it. Well, I appreciate you both so much. And I think, you know, even before this book, you've been doing the work. And I also, as like, the young rabble rouser, I'm the like reminder. Everything that's being done now is incredibly important. And we want to lift those those leaders up and the people that are the activists. And also remember that there are people that came before too. Cause I'm just I'm fucking Asian, you guys. I'm like, respect your elders. <laughs> like <laughs> because it, from an from a place of appreciation and respect, because people want to see that work flourish. And I think that's the thing I learned out of 13 years working in this community and and doing activism through entertainment and media. Um, it's, you don't have to throw a parade in everyone's honor, but it's just giving credit, right? Give credit where credit's due. Appreciate that and build on top of that. I think that's everyone's hope. That certainly was mine. Um, not to be the end all be all Asian American, you know, entertainment leader, but it's like, no, I want to do my part and I want to see it flourish further. And it's nice to be remembered and be like, you know, to thank Phil and to thank Jeff and thank everyone that came before. Like, thank you for the work that you did. Cause without you, we couldn't have gotten here. And I think your book also helps with that. So thank you guys for doing that. And um, we're really excited. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I close out each episode now with three questions real quick, just to end on a really good, uh, positive note. So you guys ready for a real quick lightning round? Yep. Yeah. All right. Phil and Jeff, whoever wants to go first, what are you grateful for today or right now? I'm grateful for mobile internet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Sorry, I'm, I'm literally... You know, uh, just just for the listening audience, I'm uh, I was not able to get home in time because various uh, juggling of you know transit and transportation issues, and so I'm actually doing this podcast while sitting in my car in a parking lot, uh, amazing with my laptop in my lap connected to a smartphone. So hey, this could never happened. You know, it, it, give me like five years ago, I don't think this would have been possible. <laughs> So true. So true. Plus the internet. Love it. Phil? Uh, my community. Yeah. The mm. fact that we can just sit here and talk like this and share. Um, and I, I was just thinking how Jeff and I, um, we watched a movie today that was that was awesome. It was so yes. awesome. But who, other people who also the audience are other friends of ours and, uh, and, you know, and like just being able to share that experience and afterwards, like, did he share a little bit about how much we love this movie? I was like, oh, yeah. I remember what this was. This is this is awesome. I love doing this. This yes. is what we're doing right now, you know? I love it. Oh, man, I, I'm pissed off because 
I actually had to begin my running around and picking up people and dropping off people right after that movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I missed yeah. out on that little you know, couple of beats of, of, of hanging out and talking. Um, but for sure. Yeah. That was always one of the best things. It was actually one of the things which I remember Phil and I bonding over, like coming out of screenings, hanging out with people on the corner, doing that Asian thing where you say you're going home, but like never actually really going home. That was the best. So <laughs> Exactly. that, And that's a sign of a good event is when everyone has not left. Um, I love it. And I look forward to seeing you guys in person because that'll be a great reunion. Um, but second question of the lightning round, what are you looking forward to? I'm I'm actually looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing you, Minji. And, uh, <laughs> but also like all the other people who, I don't know, it's, it's weird because we're starting to have live events again, mm-hmm. but we're still in that phase where people feel tentative and where we're still masked because we're Asian and we know better. And <laughs> like, you know, it's it still feels like um, it it'll take a couple more beats before I think people can fully relax into the world again. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that even we should yet, right? I mean, we shouldn't because mm-hmm. stuff is shitty stuff is still happening. Um, but when it happens, it'll feel so great. And again, just being able to to stare each other in the face and talk to each other and hug each other, you know, mm-hmm. I think that that will kind of be amazing. Yes, love it. Uh, mine's mine's the same. I I mean, I just that's what I'm looking forward to being in commu- community with other people. You know. Yeah, love it. Well, it'll happen soon. I'm gonna we're gonna manifest it here. And last but not least, what do you what would you like to leave the audience with? I uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let Phil have the last word. Uh, I'll just simply say that. You said at the very beginning of this conversation, Minji, that it was doing these kinds of conversations, these kinds of podcasts and so forth that kept you going during the pandemic. And, you know, there is really, I mentioned earlier, there really is no silver lining to a disease that killed, you know, a million Americans and uh, led many, many more to be miserable or, uh, you know, or, or disabled or harmed in very many ways uh, that caused people to, target Asians, right? And and mm-hmm. something that continues, again, even to this day and, you know, in many ways, targeting both the least, the most vulnerable amongst us and, and also the ones who uh, are so frequently the target of, of violence, Asian American women. But um, the, th- the thing I, I will say is, through it all, I have felt the thing that has kept me hopeful that I have felt is this sense that we are ultimately a resilient community, that the the bonds that we have created and forged are not transient, that we won't lose and forget both our ties to the past and to one another, Mm -hmm. and that there's a generation rising after us who is better and smarter and more capable and more informed and more ready to tackle those problems that we still face than we ever were when we kind of stumbled into this world. Mm. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. Uh, Just to piggyback on that, I mean, I would say my sentiment is that uh, between me and Jeff and you, Minji, we have now sort of decades of this work, (laughs) of this sort of whatever this is, Asian America, you know, this doing this stuff. And, um, 
And in the end, it's like, what are we doing it for, right? And what we're doing it for is actually for the next generation coming up, that it's just easy, it's going to be easier for them, right? That there's less heartache and there's less harm. And uh, we're just trying to make things better for them. And I, I think specifically about my own daughter now, you know, and mm. um, the world that she's growing up in. And aren't we just trying to make things better for her? Like that, that you know, um, that things would be a little bit easier and maybe not easier, and but that she would have to struggle less. Um, and that these things... Um, the things that she shouldn't have to deal with um, are just are softened a little bit more. And, and, um, and the things that we can celebrate are that celebration is a little more, is a little louder and a little more joyous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's what we're all doing it for, you know? Love. Well, y'all are doing it. I'll, I'll toot my own horn. We've been, we've been doing it. We've been and doing I, it. and mm-hmm. I think, I think honestly, I'm gonna be the non-Asian. We've been doing a damn good job. <laughs> okay, we've been doing a great job, and um, I think this the book is one physical manifestation, and amongst all the many different things that that's been going on, and I leave with that as well. I, I really encourage refueled by you guys also real quick want to plug jeff your latest article the one about the shoes in the house <laughs> yes oh my god it melted my face in the best way and i'm gonna i'm going to leave a link to it on my blog and i'm gonna leave a link to it in the description of this podcast because it, people have to read it. it's so good um but it's empowering people all of us to be who we are to own it and like speak the hell up and you know celebrate it defend it whatever so yep, it's yep, good yep. It's good, 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 good work. And Jeff, God bless the internet. Thank you. I'm so glad you could join us in your car. And Phil, I know you got a little one waiting for you, you know, and uh, my love to Joe. I love you guys so much, and I'm really glad we can make this happen. And congratulations on your book. Love back. Love back. Much love, love back. back. Yes. And we'll see each other soon, safely soon. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. And then everyone go listen to They Call Us Bruce. Woo! we'll have you back soon (laughs) thank you i look forward to it okay have a good night guys bye bye thank you guys for tuning in for this week's episode episode 168 talking about the rise of asian american culture with phil Yu and jeff yang the co-authors of the book rise a pop history of asian america from the 90s to now which is now out you can buy it download it, but I highly recommend you buy the actual hardcover book. And we heard all the reasons why. And thank you to Phil and Jeff for being such amazing guests and for being my pod mates over on the Potluck Podcast Collective. Go check out their show. They call us Bruce um, and find out more about them, all the guests that they interview. It's a really, really fun time. uh, And I hope you go check that out. You can follow along uh, on their Twitters and Instagram. Phil is at Angry Asian Man, and you can find Jeff at Original Spin. Thank you to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer. Thank you to my producer, Anna Sun, and to my social media manager, Juliana Deer. Love you guys. Thank you for helping keep this podcast alive. And with that, I have to also thank my Patreon patrons. If you'd like to support First of All Podcast, you can go to firstofallpod.com, find links to my Patreon, to anything else that you want to do to contribute, find out more um, links to the book. It'll all be up there. And uh, if, yeah, if you're a fan, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Thank you to everybody that's leaving the five-star review on Spotify. Now that that's a thing, I really appreciate it. And uh, you can follow along so you can get more amazing content from our show. And you can email me at firstofallpod at gmail.com. And you can follow along at firstofallpod 
for my for our podcast Instagram and my personal page at Minjeezy. And if you did enjoy this episode and want to share the amazing story of Asian American pop culture with your friends or someone is interested, you can find first of all on all the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. It's all there. Feel free to share. We appreciate it. And that five-star review helps with my algorithm. So please and thank you. This week's intro music was provided by Uzu Han with the song Uzu Trap. And this week's outro song, I am super excited to share because my friend Dan Matthews, Dan aka Dan, dear friend of mine, very talented, has released a new album called Me, Also Me. And we are fe- featuring his song, This Is a Song About Self Love, which could not be more appropriate. Congratulations, Dan, on his new album. Go check out the links, they're all in the description. And check out his song. We have a playlist on Spotify, too. If you want to find it, you can get all the different songs that we feature here on First of All. And if you have a recommendation, hit me up. Let me know. I love to hear about new artists and and want to see how we can support them. See if we vibe and the frequencies match. But anyway, that's it for me this week. Have an amazing, safe, peaceful, happy day, week, month, whatever, whatever is in front of you. Um, Sending you all my best. Take care of yourselves. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Lately I've been trying to figure out what it means to me these days. Each day is a reminder how afraid I am to fade. Of highs that can't be grasped and the lights they go away. Or the value I think I'll have in the day I'm finally made. I have seen it in the eyes of my best friends. Green envy when their value is tested. Relationships should be more than investments. And trying to develop something real is arrested. Hello, I'm Phil Yu, and I'm the host of All the Asians on Star Trek, the podcast in which I interview all the Asians on Star Trek. I'm talking to actors, writers, directors, stunt people, background extras. You know, all the Asians on Star Trek. Find out more at alltheasiansonstartrek.com. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Live long and prosper.